0: Hey everyone, this is Brian from the Tennis IQ Podcast. Josh and I hope that you are enjoying the content and discussions that we put out week after week. If you'd like to support the podcast and help us to continue to produce quality episodes, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Podcast slash membership. Currently, we have three tiers of support. The fan level at $3 per month, the supporter level at $7 per month, and the champion level at $20 per month. Benefits of joining the Tennis IQ podcast community include episode transcripts, participation in book club discussions, and access to monthly master classes with me and Josh. For more on these benefits of support, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com/slash tennis IQ slash membership. Thank you so much. And now, on to the show. <laughs>
1: Welcome to the Tennis IQ Podcast. I'm Josh Berger.
0: And I'm Brian Lomax. And today, Josh and I are going to talk about um, ways of simplifying your decision-making on the on the court, and perhaps more specifically, coming up with a set of rules or rules-based decision-making. Um, part of this was, for me, has come from this, this thought process of we typically play better when we think less, when we look at things like being in flow, being in the zone, one of the characteristics of that is that we have a quiet mind. Um, Achieving a quiet mind, though, is not as easy as it sounds. It may be just like, well, hey, stop thinking about so many things and, and so forth. But I think we all know that instead of saying, don't do this or stop doing this, we have to actually give you something better to think about. And Coming up with some rules or a system of play is one idea of, of doing that. And we're going to discuss some, some basic rules that you could apply to your game. And uh, if you were to observe pro players, the majority of them follow these rules, I want to say probably 90% of the time when you're, when you're watching them. Um, but I think this idea of helping players simplify. Their thinking on the court have less to think about on the court, can only help performance overall. So before we get into the specifics, Josh, just wanted to get your thoughts on on the topic itself and you know its utility and, and any other thoughts that you have.
1: Yeah, i mean i I think players at all levels struggle because they have a lot on their minds. They have a lot of thoughts. They're about to hit a shot, and they start thinking about technique. They start thinking about where should I hit this next shot? Um, you know, especially something like the serve, where where you're fully in control of of that how that next point starts. It's not like you're responding to something. I think there can be a lot of um, a lot of thoughts going on. It, it can even turn into paralysis by analysis at some point where you're thinking so much that you're almost, you know, not not actually paralyzed, obviously, but you're you're held back from really performing the action because there's so many thoughts going on. So I think both in terms of a particular shot and you know, broader within within a point, there's a lot of decisions to be to be making. Um and a lot of thoughts that that can be going through players' heads. And I think generally lots of thoughts are going through players' heads. I think that's more the, the default. Um, So can we start to get to a point where we have a better process of making decisions and simplifying that process so that we don't have to, so that we can clear some space so that we can create some, clear some space to focus on some other things so that we're not so wrapped up in, okay, where am I going to go with each shot? Where am I going to serve here? What is my playing style? So that we can answer some of those basic fundamental questions and really stick to that structure that we that that we have determined is effective, and then we're able to focus on other things rather than having that sort of constant stream of thoughts going through our head every time we're about to hit the ball. And that can be especially
0: problematic in more stressful situations of a match because the score becomes a part of it. Perhaps we're thinking a little bit too much about how we're going to win the point, and then that may end up Corrupting our decision-making and I think that's what we're trying to Try to deal with more and more here is how do we make? better decisions throughout a match regardless of the score um, Regardless of whether you're winning or losing and and then to learn to trust whatever your system or rules are so that you know what to do in a stressful situation because I think that's, when I talk to players about first learning how not to lose, it's a lot about creating more discipline around your game and creating more discipline around your between points routine. The between points routine, I think, is pretty easy to have discipline with Josh, right? Because we have, uh, you know, we're generally teaching a structure, whether that's the the, the 16 second cure or... The USTA is somewhat rebranded that and I'm sure that there are other tennis federations and coaching associations out there that have their versions of what to do between points. But it's relatively structured and players know to go, you know, walk from point A to point B and do this. But in a point, do you have a disciplined way of playing the point? Do you know the basics of directionals and Maybe this is more of an American phenomenon. It could be um, that players are not as aware of how to use directionals and structure points. Um, Because I don't think it's... Well, I know it's not really taught early on to players. Um, Yeah, I was recently working a 10 and under green ball camp and part of the curriculum was how to be an offensive player. And and I mean, the players are 10 and under. And, you know, my first thought was, well, how do we, why are we doing that? Why aren't we doing consistency as a weapon? And I think when we look at tennis players, especially those who have grown up, uh, you know, in Europe or South America, where clay tends to be the more dominant surface for playing, which requires a certain level of patience that maybe those who have grown up in more hardcore oriented locations may not be developing as much. You have to learn to play a more patient style. You have to uh, learn to play your directionals Mm -hmm. better. Um, And so what we want to try to do is I think share some maybe starter rules, Josh, with people that they could build on. Now, certainly I think these are rules that would be working for everybody, but, you have to customize them for yourself. You may be a more offensive, aggressive player, and you know, given whatever level you're at, all right, how does that work into some of my decision making right? So um you know, in terms of the actual directional rules let's let's start with like two basic ones um and this also is something. If if people are familiar with Thomas Johansson, the Swedish player who won the, I think the 2002 Australian Open, he was recently on another tennis podcast and he was asked for, you know, his best advice for the 4-0 player and you know other club level players, and his his advice was basically hit everything cross court, and if you're on the kind of opposite side with your forehand, hit it inside out, and we're going to basically give you the same rules, but maybe phrase it phrase it differently. Um, And even though that sounds simple, if you watch most of the top players are following this rule. So here's how I would would phrase it, Josh, and then I want to get your thoughts on it. So first rule, if you're moving to your right, hit to your left. So let's say you're right-handed and you're moving to your right, you're going to hit the ball to your left. Now that sounds like, yeah, I'm hitting it cross court. In a way, yes. But that doesn't mean it has to land, say, in the deuce side of the other player's Court. If I'm in the alley and I'm hitting it to my left, that could still end up in the middle of the court. That's still the right shot. It's going left. So it doesn't have to be all the way to a specific point. And if you watch the pros, if you see the angle of their ball, it's not always going completely cross. It's simply going at an angle, right? They're not hitting, you know, so they're hitting it sort of a less than 90 degree angle, okay? So that's the first rule. You're moving to your right, you hit to your left. The second rule is obviously moving to your left, you hit it to your right. So if you're moving to your left and you're hitting a backhand, again, you're gonna angle it back to the right. That could end up in the middle. It could end up in, you know, various parts of the court, but it's gonna be at an angle. And if we're talking about our right-handed player and you're moving to your left and you want to hit a forehand, the ball is gonna go inside out. That's to the right. Okay. So those are the first two basic rules, very much in agreement with Thomas Johansson. Um, And they're very easy for people to understand. So if you go out onto the court, even if you're rallying with somebody, you could practice these rules and see how that affects your decision-making. Um, and I think one thing that I've seen college coaches do very, some college coaches do very effectively is when they coach their players, they give them these types of rules to constrain their thinking, which gets them to maybe rebuild their confidence, again, minimizes what they're having to make decisions about on the court and and, and refine their game. So I just want to stop there, Josh, and get your thoughts on our, our first two rules.
1: Yeah, I think I think the idea of when I'm moving right, hitting the ball left, when I'm moving left, hitting the ball right, um, are really important. Because I think that both of them, first of all, are high percentage. So you're hitting over, the, you know, I think there's, it's always important to, when talking to a player, and maybe especially a player who's younger, or especially a player maybe that's getting more into the sport, to, to, to describe the why. Why do we hit the ball cross court? And I think at a basic level, there's there's a couple main reasons. Um, you know, you're you're hitting over a lower part of the net, um, so it's you know you, you by hitting the same height shot, you have a a greater chance of clearing the ball over the net, which is obviously your your one obstacle on the court, um, and you're hitting into more court. So anyone who can remember um, Pythagorean theorem. Um, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. If you are hitting cross court, you are, um, you are, you have more court to hit into. You're hitting into, um, you're able to hit the ball further, essentially. Um, so again, in terms of consistency, there's a lot of benefits to hitting the ball cross court. Um, so, but, but I think, yeah, giving yourself those clear rules like that, um, almost makes it more automatic. Like you were talking about with the 16 second cure, Your in between point routine, making that automatic. Um, It's the same thing here where if you feel yourself moving to your left, you know that you want to hit the ball, right? If you want, if you feel yourself moving to the right, you know, you want to hit the ball left. And I think that, that, you know, it just simplifies things. And and I think it also gives you a sense of confidence. You're like, okay, I know where I want to go with this ball. Rather than being there and saying, "Uh oh, what's should I do this? Should I do that?" I saw Alcaraz hit this unbelievable drop shot. Should I try that? Should I, you know, should I hit the ball super flat as hard as I can? Should I hit it with high, heavy topspin? Nope. I'm sticking to my plan. I'm sticking to my rules. Um, So I, I think that's I think that's really helpful. I just think it's it's helpful for for players to understand why why and and even to think through okay what you know and, and maybe one person's rules might be slightly different from another's which is okay people have different playing styles but can they can they talk about what their rules are and then why why have i come up with these rules for myself um why does this match my game but why also does this match high percentage tennis why does this you know why does this playing style that i've that I have established for myself, these rules, these patterns that I've established for myself, why do they make sense for my own game, right? Can you justify them? Can you talk about them in that way? And then I think it's a lot easier to really stick with them when, when you need them. Yeah. And
0: one of my objections to the idea of teaching 10 and under players offense was that I think if you're looking at building a a player's game, it should start with consistency, like Meaning we can get the ball over. Yep. Second, directionals. I can hit the ball in certain directions. I want to hit it left. I can hit it left. I want to hit it right. I can hit it right. And then the third piece is accuracy. All right. I want to hit it left and I would like it to land in this zone over here. Right. So teaching offense to players who can't actually do those three things yet Doesn't make a lot of sense in my mind, but for whatever, you know, some of them, some of them actually can do that to a certain extent. I would say the accuracy maybe is not there, but if you, again, you watch the pros, they all have a foundation in those three things. And that's what these rules are about. Your ability to be consistent, your ability to hit the ball in particular directions, and your ability to hit the ball where you would like it to land. Um... Then you can layer on spin and power and, you know, almost add those as adjuncts to to what you're doing. So anyone who's listening, you know, what I would say is a couple things. Watch players like Djokovic, Murray, Nadal, and try to ascertain how often they are using these rules. And I think you'll see that they're using it a very high percentage of the time. Now they they I would layer on a third rule, Josh, here, for especially for our offensive players and 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 you can watch the pros do this. Rule number three would be if the ball you receive is attackable, you meaning you can step into it or it's short and you can go and and, and be offensive on it you can change direction. You could go down the line to an open court. You don't have to. You could continue to go cross court, but you have that option now. And that's what you'll see the pros do, is they'll play these first two rules on balls that are neutral and especially defense. Whenever Djokovic is playing, is on defense, which he's very, very good at, he's playing these these basic rules. When he can step into a ball, that's when he may change direction um so watch those players the other thing i would say is try this for yourself in a practice match just to see how it works just to try to get the experience because you could be skeptical some of the players i've introduced this to have been skeptical (laughs) and that's okay um but they have all come back and said yeah it worked and why does it work? It works because most of the people you're playing against don't have any rules. They're gonna be unaware of what you're doing. So what will happen is you'll be in a cross-court rally. Your opponent will change direction, probably inappropriately, thus giving you an opportunity to attack the next shot cross court. Because the cross court ball will be the open, will be to the open court because they change direction. And so you could get away with the first two rules by just hitting everything cross court and you can still be offensive on that. Um, And again, watch pro tennis and you will see a lot of guys, even when they're in offensive positions, going cross with that ball. Because the other player might be anticipating the ball down the line, etc. So those would be the kind of the first two things I would ask listeners to do is, one, watch some pro tennis. Probably more on the men's side you see this than than the women's side. I haven't watched as much of the women's side and try to to ascertain how much they're following it. So I can't give you any specific examples of players to do it. But I imagine that a, a good number of them are. Um, and then just try it for yourself. Just go for the experience and see what you notice. Um, is it easier mentally? Um can you learn to trust this a little bit more? Right. And so, um, yeah, I think that, you know, by adding rule number three, maybe that makes it a little bit more palatable to players. Cause we're not saying don't be offensive, but like you said, Josh, we want to know why we want to play high percentage tennis. We want to know why to follow such rules.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that's, that's really important. And I think, we we do want to come up with a plan for, for, for different types of situations, right? Where I, I think the, those first two rules are really important, especially at the baseline. Okay, I'm moving this, I'm moving left, I'm moving right. Um, you know, I, I move right and I want to hit the ball left, right? So for the right-handed player, that's going to be their forehand hitting that ball cross-court. When I move left, hit the ball right, that's most of the time going to be a backhand, but that could also be a, a forehand, right? If, if players want to run around it and hit, you know, that, essentially what, what that's saying is that we want to hit inside out there, not inside in. Inside in being a tougher, riskier shot. Inside out, you are hitting into a lot more court. You're generally going to be hitting to your opponent's backhand if they're right-handed. Um, it's it, it, If you watch the pros, again, you will see that, way more often than not they're hitting that ball cross court rather than trying to pull that ball inside in which is first of all you're going to the opponent's forehand but second of all you you're hitting into a lot less court you are already pulled over to the um ad side based the, the ad side sideline and then you're trying to aim close to the uh, close to that sideline you're not hitting into a lot of court where inside out you're hitting into considerably more more court, which which is the big reason why it's higher percentage. Um, but I, th- I think also, as you were saying, having a a plan for what you want to do when you're moving forward is really important. and I think I think a lot of players struggle with with this portion of the game in terms of their transition game, and in terms of what you do with a short ball, how you approach the net. you know, I, I think a lot of times players practice their baseline game. And they practice their volleys and maybe they practice approach shots, but maybe it's only certain types of approach shots. They don't necessarily build that transition skill in the way that they could. And therefore, they, you know, if you get a short ball, you're ahead of the point. And rather than being able to sort of maintain that advantage in the point, come up to net, finish points at the net in a reliable way, they're losing a lot. I, I see players losing a lot of points before they even get to the net when they're ahead in the point, they have the short ball and then they mishandle that short ball. So I think having a clear plan for that. And I think generally, um, well, I think there's different things that we could do with the short ball. I think, again, if we're sticking with directionals, oftentimes hitting the ball more down the line rather than cross court in that moment um, allows for less, you know, for fewer angles. Um, and I know you mentioned, Brian, that at that point you can change direction, which I, I definitely agree with, but yeah, having a clear plan there. Right, So maybe it's, okay, when I get that short ball, I want to go down the line, or I want to, at least most of the time. Again, I don't think you have to follow these 100% of the time. I think there's something to be said for being unpredictable in certain ways, by sab- for sabotaging your opponents, by changing things up. But I think being able to stick with this the vast, vast majority of the time is going to help everybody. But then what you do with those exceptions, what you do in some of those other moments is what can differentiate you. And again, as, as Brian said, most people aren't using these rules. So if you are the one sticking with these rules, you're the one creating those opportunities for yourself in a reliable way, your opponent will likely get impatient. Your opponent will likely stray from these rules and then give you opportunities. You may hit the ball, if, if people can visualize this or picture this, you may hit the ball cross-court and be in that cross-court forehand to forehand rally. And maybe you pull them off the court with a forehand angle and they are in the doubles alley or they're even off the court and they decide to go down the line, right? So they're going to go down the line with their forehand. They're into your backhand, assuming players are right-handed, which what, 90 or so percent of players are. Um, they, they go cross court with their forehand. Sorry, they go down the line with their forehand. They're They're pulled off the court. They're in the doubles alley, even a little bit beyond the doubles alley. They go down the line into your backhand. But then what? Then they're off the court. And then all you have to do is stick with that plan and continue to take that ball cross-court with your backhand. And they're all the way off the court, in the doubles alley or beyond it, you're going cross-court with your backhand into the opposite side of the court, and they're going to have a tough time with that. They likely won't get to that next ball. Maybe they do, but they're going to be in a very defensive position there. So again, by just sticking with this plan, um, you can really capitalize on them being out of position rather than you trying to almost you know outsmart this plan and and constantly be thinking okay should i go down the line should i go cross court should i go deep deep down the middle should i loop it should i slice it you know there's a lot of decisions to be made there and there can be decision fatigue where you're making so many decisions that the quality of those decisions can go down over time so instead, can we make fewer decisions and can we have more of a system where, okay, at the baseline, moving this direction, this is what I do moving this direction, this is what I do when I get that short ball and I'm moving forward, this is what I do even with volleys. This is what I do with different types of volleys to, again, keep it keep it simple, keep the number of decisions to a minimum, even on serves, I think, as well, right? Second serve, maybe I go to the backhand every time or I go or body, right? Or whatever it is. Or, you know, if it's um, 40 love, this is the type of serve that I hit. Or love 40, this is the type of serve that I hit. Or deuce point, a lot of times people are playing no ad now on, on deuce. Um, this is my favorite serve. This is the serve that I go to. So again, by spending that time ahead of time with a sports psychology professional, with a coach, with a parent, with, with somebody, um, or thinking that through, really thinking that through, then you're able to really have a plan for all the different situations that will come up in a match and exactly how you want to handle them.
0: Yeah, and pre-committing to those, those kinds of things is, is definitely very, very helpful. I think you could somewhat coherently argue, Josh, that players like Djokovic and Murray, when they go into a point, they're not necessarily thinking about winning the point. They're thinking about playing to their rules and playing them the best that they can. Because they have developed a lot of trust in their system of playing. And I think that's really the, the thing for all of us to learn is, can I develop trust in a specific way of playing that is tailored to my strengths, that allows me to be you know, consistent, use good directionals to be accurate, Right, not to lose um, points by making you know, silly mistakes due to poor decision-making. And, and simply trying like after a point's over, don't necessarily be so worried about whether you won or lost the point, but evaluate the point based on how did I do with my system of playing? What, what tweaks do I need to make to it? Um, so one, one thing, you know, if we were to apply this to your game, Josh... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you like your backhand a little bit more than your forehand, right? So the idea of moving left might be more just about you hitting hitting great backhands cross-court. That might be the one that you attack more on. Maybe you hitting it, you know, with more pace there. And then when you're moving to your right for your forehand, that might just be about high and deep and so forth, Right. So that right there, we're kind of adjusting what those directional balls look like based on your game. My game is typically, uh, I like my forehand and my forehand is better when it's high and heavy. So part of my rules on the forehand are not only am I playing these directionals, but I'm, I'm the trajectory of the ball, I want it a certain way. I typically slice my backhand. So I want the trajectory and spin of that ball a certain way. So I'm tailoring my directionals based on my particular strengths and preferences on that. I also know that those things are what make me uh, more effective. And so when I'm done with a point, obviously I would love to win points, but I want to just sort of evaluate hey, how did I do with trajectory? How did I do with direction? Um, and go from there. And then my, what I do is I just trust that if I do this over and over and over again, that it will deliver to me the points I need. And I think that's what you see from a guy like Novak Djokovic is that he simply plays by his rules of shot making decision-making over and over again. And he has such trust in his, in these rules for him that they're going to deliver for him. And when we think about what happens under pressure and under stress, to me, trust is one of the key components, Josh, is that we stop trusting what we're doing and we go into a place of, I'm not sure what to do. And that's where we maybe go down the line when we shouldn't because we want the point to be over. Or we hit a, a drop shot when we're a couple feet behind the baseline and it's not really the, the place to do it. And we either miss it or we just end up giving the opponent an easy short ball. Um, and so we, we learn to trust our particular rules and we simply play that way. And that's what I'm asking people to try out because I think you'll develop more trust in how you play. You'll be handling pressure better because you have a specific way and you can just follow that. Um, and you'll be thinking less on the court. You'll have less of that mental load. It will feel after the match lighter. You won't have feel that the, like you called it, decision fatigue of what to be doing all the time and overanalyzing things and, and so forth. So I think this is just a, a great strategy for people to try out and see See how it goes at first with the simple rules, and then start layering on
1: some of your own. I, I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, and, and I think it it really is a great foundation for players, um, rather than having that ball, you know, to to the forehand and thinking, okay, what now? No, I have a plan for it. Nope. Okay, I have a backhand. I have a plan for that. I have the short ball. I have a plan for that. And can't we stray from that? On occasion, yes, i I think at least. um, but you know, I, I think it really does create that that nice plan that and that nice um I, I, I think it really gives players, yeah, a, a lot more confidence and a lot more um sureness. they're they're gonna be more sure that this is not that this is gonna work every time because it's not. um, not that they're gonna make every shot because they're not. Um, but they know that they are going for a higher percentage shot. They know that they are going for a shot in a playing style that will work more often than not. And I think, you know, when we think about this, it's not going to work every point. It's not going to work every match. But over time, these, this is the type of playing style that that leads to better results because you're playing the percentages, because you're playing in a way that where you're not beating yourself. If you can keep the ball across court, if you can stick to these, some of these really clear rules, if you can, you know, hit the ball down the line and, and follow that ball into the net down the line more. Um, when when you have a short ball, um, you're you know really sticking to a lot of the the key fundamentals, and rather than thinking, you know, for that ten and under player, okay, um, this is what the inside in forehand looks like, or this is what the swinging volley looks like you know, down the line and, you know, trying to paint the corners and that sort of thing on a shot like a swinging volley, which I think for most players at any level is a tough shot, you know, regardless of a player being 10 and under, um, you know, I I think then you really build that solid foundation and then you can layer in some of these other things. You can layer in some of those other shots. You can change it up. Sometimes you can do some of these other things. Um, But I I think it's, yeah, I I think it's really important that players, have a have a plan. And as you said, you know, especially during big points, big points will come up, deuce points, break points, tiebreakers, all of these will, will take place. So when your heart is pounding a little bit faster than it normally is, when you might have a lot of thoughts going through your mind, having that clear game plan for what I want to do on this next point, for how I respond to different types of shots is couldn't be more, couldn't be more important. So I think it's, but, but I I think at the same time, you know, I I think again, making the comparison to the in between point routine, sometimes I hear players, you know, a lot will, we'll go through it and then I'll often ask them, all right, so how, you know, how's it going? How often are you using it? And I get a, a a whole range of of answers here and I I see you nodding here, Brian as well. Um, And sometimes I hear players say, you know, I, I use it as, as much as I possibly can. I use it almost always. I, try it during practice, I do it if I'm up by a lot, if I'm down by a lot, I I use it as much as I can. And other times I hear players say, no, I I use it when I really need it. And what does that mean? Maybe in a big point. But then I find that those players have a tough time actually really using it when they need it, because they will often forget about it, because it hasn't become automatic, it hasn't become ingrained. And I think it's the same thing here, that if we we really only go to this skill set, when we really, quote unquote, need it, during those big points, if we only go to the system then, then we have, we're we not really ingraining it. Um, so instead, can we use it when we're up by a lot? Can we use it when we're down by a lot? Can we use it during practice? Can we really try to make it automatic and ingrained? And then it's a lot easier to, to go to that during those big points when it's most necessary, rather than trying to use some sort of system that we haven't fully developed ingrained and made automatic yeah the discipline around
0: this is is important so i think i would make a couple um last points that maybe we haven't covered yet um, for this which is we have referenced cross-court a lot but let's let's put it back into the idea of moving right hitting left or hitting right it doesn't mean every ball needs to land in the cross-court corner so if i am on my forehand as a right-hander, I'm in the the doubles alley of the deuce side. To hit left is simply at an angle that could end up in the middle, but that's still adhering to the rule. Because the ball went left, it's still crossing the net at a lower point than it would be if I hit down the line, and it's still a, a longer distance because it is at an angle. So not every ball has to end up in the deuce side corner or the ad side corner based on where you are, right? So just want to clarify that because when you watch the pros play, you won't see them hit every ball into those corners. Many balls will end up in the middle, which is another thing, Josh, that I think is, is, bothers me about some coaching is there's, so, there's this disdain for using the middle of the court. But when you watch pro tennis, there's a lot of balls being played into the middle, of the court right now the other thing that this might sound like is like we're asking you to simply just value consistency and just maybe that sounds passive and we're not asking you to be passive with these shots we're still asking you to to hit them with with pace and spin and confidence um and simply you know you're still trying to have these balls uh do some damage to your opponent to contribute to winning the point but we're just giving you the high percentage way of doing it we're not asking to everybody listening to become a pusher through this okay so you're still going to hit with aggression with confidence to those to those spots and i think to help with the rules and really simplify it josh one thing that i have found useful with players is to give them specific short self-talk phrases to be using between points so uh, you know, let's let's apply it to you. You might say, if I were to propose a rule for you, one of your rules might be, look to attack with the backhand. As right, you're still going to follow the the directional rules, but you might be like, kind of hunting backhands as a means of like, all right, that's the shot I'm going to be more aggressive on. For me, I add, um, you know, the high trajectory, keep the ball high, as part of you know one of my self-talk phrases. I've kind of ingrained the the moving piece and where I'm going to hit the ball. But sometimes my trajectory flattens out a little bit. And I need to remind myself of that. So there might be different self-talk phrases that you also use to reduce the amount of thinking you're doing. And they could be unrelated to the system. It could just be like breathe, watch the ball, next point. But that's, again reducing the amount of analysis and and thought process going on um and so i think by simply trying to do this experimenting as we've said in many of our episodes this is all about who you're becoming there's no threat here to your game by trying this out and experiencing it and and seeing how it goes and you'll be richer for the experience you'll know i mean because you a listener could easily be skeptical and say, "Well, that won't work for me." But do you really know? Why not try it out in a practice match and see what you think? Um, how does it feel after the match? Did I think less? Was it easier? Was it harder? Did it make me overthink things because I'm not used to that? There could be a whole host of uh, questions you could ask yourself after a match. Um, but like what you know, we've talked about many times with tennis. This is all about who you're becoming. So, have the experience, value the experience, value the learning, and, and see what happens.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I could see there being a progression here too with it, where maybe you start with this during practice. Maybe you start with it during practice, during practice points. Maybe you start with it, you know, try it during a practice point game up to to 15 or 21 use during a practice set use it during a match and see how it goes again this doesn't mean and i could i could see the objection coming up that an aggressive player might say well what you just expect me to hit the ball cross court all the time i can't go for my down the line shots and that's not what we're saying we're saying that you want to be to have a system that works for you. And for some players that that system is going to look more aggressive for some players. It's going to look less aggressive for some players. They're going to hit the ball more flat. Some players are going to hit the ball with more spin or use, you know, their slice more than, than topspin. And that's okay. But, but again, having some sort of system like this, you know, is means that you are going to be playing the your strengths, but also playing the percentages a lot more and not, hopefully not overthinking so much, but having a clear intention. When we think about flow and what helps players get to flow, it really is that they're not thinking so much all the time. They have a clear plan, a clear intention for what they want to do, a clear goal. And they're just trying to execute on that. And that doesn't mean they're going to execute on that every time, but they have a clear goal for what they're doing. And I think, you know, focusing on that goal and creating rules that allow that allow for players to just focus on that goal rather than focusing on everything else make it so much easier to hopefully execute on that goal but not be thinking so much during while they're trying to do that but instead just trying to focus on that goal execution and the next point okay I'm trying to do that same thing I'm trying to keep that ball cross court I'm trying to hit the ball left when I'm moving right trying to hit the ball right when I'm moving left Trying to really stick to this to this plan and seeing how that goes. And I, I, as you said, Brian, I think most players will find that by really trying to stick to that, they will they will find positive results. But just understanding that that's going to look different for each player, right? If a uh, really aggressive player, a Del Potro, a Sabalenka, uses something like this, or a uh, Gilles Simone uses something like this, it's going to look different, and that's okay, right? And it's going to look different for two players at the 3.5 level or two 14 year olds and that's okay too but i think just having clear a clear system clear plan like this is going to help is going to help everybody
0: for sure and i think you know the overall result is that you'll probably beat yourself less and that's a lot of tennis matches are lost not yep. won by the opponent and uh, if you lose a match i would prefer that you come off the court and say well i didn't really lose it the opponent beat me and for the most part that doesn't happen but when you have a a rules-based system for how you play you get closer and closer to that kind of thing so um we'd love to hear how you experience this if you give it a shot on the court um and you know josh thanks for indulging me on this topic um i do think there's a lot of value in uh, this type of thinking whether it's tennis or other aspects of life and having rules and helping you to to create more discipline. So again, thank you. And thank you all for listening. Uh, For more on today's episode, please check out the show notes. If you have any feedback or questions, especially on this topic, please email us at tennisiqpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please rate and review the podcast so others can find it. Additionally, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, including YouTube so you can be notified of new episodes. Also, please check us out on Instagram. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Tennis IQ membership, where you can learn about the benefits of being part of the Tennis IQ Podcast community. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon in our next episode.